Bandwidth for Priority One podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. And you're listening to episode 142 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, September 19th, 2013, live on trekradio.net, and available for download or streaming on Monday mornings at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm James. And I'm Tony. All right, guys, let's jump right in. What do we have in store this week, Tony? Well, this week we trek out the other bridge restoration project in the news. In Stone News this week, we touch on the new Dilithium Mayan project in Legacy of Romulus, DevBlog 44. There's also been an update to the Romulan Tactical Warbird that hit the Sea Store on Thursday, September 12th. And there have been a couple community projects that have been highlighted on the front page of Stowe. In this episode's community spotlight, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster is backed by Popular Demand with his latest Foundry Mission review. Later in the show, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captain's Priority One Podcast survives only by your generous real-world donations. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and help us reach our monthly goals. With your help, we can bring you closer to the big conventions with live broadcasts, on-site interviews, and so much more. But more importantly, we need to keep the site alive. And with your contributions, you can help with the running costs for this volunteer production. Visit PriorityOnePodcast.com for more information on how you can help keep this show moving forward. Well, let's get ready to check it out, shall we? I don't know. Then let's check it out. The Twitterverse has been a buzz with the news that our little podcast isn't the only bunch who've been working from the bridge of the 1701D lately. Turns out, the NSA does too! There are some differences. Priority One broadcast interviews and fun from a booth in front of the Helm Station on gear provided by Mav of Stoked Radio in cooperation with Trek Radio. The NSA, on the other hand, coordinates national surveillance and signal intercepts relying on a global information network of human and electronic intelligence. But these are mere quibbling details when you consider that you can do both from Jean-Luc Picard's Big Chair. Now, much of the hype is revolved around the theater of designing a room like the Information Dominance Center, whose purpose isn't noble exploration, but rather clandestine observation and shadowy operations. Also, it seems like kind of a waste of taxpayer resources and maybe a bit Hollywoody for such grave missions like fighting the terrorists and countering rising problems in China, Russia, and North Korea. Except the thing was built in 1999. 
That's right, kids. When the NSA decided to restore the bridge of the Enterprise, Boris Yeltsin was Russia's president. China's total exports were worth less than the 2013 Yankees payroll. And the biggest news out of North Korea was that President Clinton's brother played a country music concert in Pyongyang. In fact, the NSA's bridge might not even exist anymore, as a contract to remodel the NSA's headquarters went out in 2003. Who knows? Maybe some brushed chrome panels and rich mahogany railings are sitting out in a northern Virginia landfill somewhere, waiting to be restored. We'll have the relevant links in our show notes. At least it was a diehard Trekkie that brought a little more Trek into our government. Clearly, that thing was awesome. I mean, it was obviously built as like a showpiece for everyone to sort of walk in and feel like they were... You know, in the middle of everything, something important was going on, and they were making command decisions based on advanced technology and intelligence. I mean, where else would you look for inspiration? You think that while they were spying and the guy in the captain's chair sat down, he would go, engage? Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. You'd have to. (laughs) Reposition the satellite. Engage. Engage. Make it so. so. (laughs) All right, captains, discover something you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Well, send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Let's move forward and check out what happened in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. In Legacy of Romulus, dev blog number 44, lead content designer Charles Gray posts the latest Dilithium Mine featured project. Monitoring Profits will be available from around 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time this Thursday, September 19th, 2013, until around server maintenance starts on October 3rd, 2013, or 7 a.m. Pacific, whichever is earlier. Upon completing the project, a variety of decorations, including several Wall displays and consoles and tables will be added to the ground interior of your dilithium mine. Woohoo! Moving right along, the folks over at Starbase UGC have teamed up to bring us the first six-mission Foundry featured episode series. According to the guest blog, the authors involved include Kirk Fat, Captain P.F. Dennis, Zorbane, Drogon1701, Castmodian, Relatime82... Rogue Enterprise, Cerberus Films, and Bazag. I can verify that this is a very prolific and active group of authors in the Foundry community. Cerberus writes, The first mission, Purity of Denial, will debut for Federation players on Tuesday, the 1st of October, with each subsequent episode being released every Tuesday until the 5th of November. Additionally, it seems that the STO team has backed this up and will be offering spotlights for each of these missions That will give you the enhanced rewards that come with every Spotlight mission. So for more information, follow at StarbaseUGC on Twitter and check out the StarbaseUGC.com website to keep up to date on the latest developments on this series. There's a video trailer available, and we'll have that link in our show notes. And I am intrigued by this development, gentlemen, as a Foundry aficionado. I am as well. My question, though, is have all six episodes been completed now because if they're releasing it tuesday october 1st and each subsequent tuesday afterwards are these missions all done or are they kind of working on them as they come along i would presume that at least the story arc must be done how is cryptic playing these missions and reviewing them before they support it i come and go on the foundry forums and i know that there has been a collaboration project in the works for 
you know, a long time. I, I don't know if this is the same one or if this is an outgrowth of it or some sort of you know next step of it. I'm not sure. I'm not behind the scenes on it. But if this is working as the blog indicates, Stowe has committed to making this their you know spotlight missions, which means that either they've reviewed them already and seen that they meet the standard of other spotlight missions, or they're taking it on faith, or I don't know. I mean, this is kind of a brave new world as far as Foundry authorship goes, is the team committing to getting those extra special rewards in the spotlight and the, the prominent spot in the mission journal that other spotlight missions get sight unseen. You know, other missions get out there and they get reviewed and they get some five stars and they maybe get some feedback from the community and then make updates and changes. And then the author submits it for spotlighting and then Brandon reviews it. And then, you know, if he deems it worthy and it's got the right elements in it, then it gets spotlighted. This is different. This is new. I wonder if this is a pattern of things to come. In terms of this mission, in terms of these featured series, I look forward to them. I will more than likely play them. I want to play these missions. I want to experience them. And... I hope it turns out well. You know, there's a lot riding on this, I think, in terms of breathing life into the foundry, spotlighting the foundry, because this is now backed up by Perfect World in one way, shape, or form. Hey, Elijah, you know there's another six-episode foundry arc that involves the Prime Directive and a big conspiracy? You know what that's called? Overture. Yeah. Hey, you know who wrote that? Kinetic Impulsor. Yeah. Know who that is? You. <laughs> Uh. Oh, I'm sorry. I fell asleep. What were you guys talking about? (laughs) Moving along, moving along. Well, I hope this works out. I hope that this brings much needed attention to the Foundry so that we can start playing missions again that just blow cryptic missions out of the water. Hopefully they've been able to work around the limitations of the Foundry. Best of luck to them. You know, Cerberus Films has popped out a lot of great things before. I don't doubt it, especially if they all worked together on this as a team. These are the elite authors. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing the collaboration part. Right, 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 right. So we're coming back to the Tactical Warbird update. Of course, last week you heard us talk about this, and it's been talked about in the forums at length. At nauseum. (laughs) At infinitum. Exactly. Why do we want this thing when there's already all these things that are already of its comparable level and skill and so forth and so on and so on and i made the argument that okay yes i agree with all that but it's more for the up-and-coming players who haven't played through the levels yet to have an escort choice as opposed to the ginormous dideradex battleship turn tank and so i don't know if this was coming down the pipe when we were talking about that or if it was planned from the beginning but cryptic has been wise enough to go ahead and say well why don't we add fighter base to it and make it a carrier in which case now it is more on level with being the Romulan Armitage which I think was a very good choice I don't know if the hull and armor levels and everything match what an Armitage level ship should be and I still think that we're going to really need to see a fleet ship you know a fleet version of the ship for it to truly be worth the while and time to go out and get it i mean you're going to need a fleet one just to compete i mean you got to have it you know it's it's one of those things that can go down again the list that we went down last week and name all the different things and you know i can stop and go shall we begin and it's not going to make any difference the point is (laughs) we need a fleet version of this ship at the end of the day however i will give them mad props and a golf clap for adding the carrier 
I like that. It's a good idea and it definitely upgrades it a bit, like I said, to more of an Armitage level, which is something that's needed on the Romulan side. So we'll see um, if the stats in a fleet version play out maybe by the end of this year. We'll see. Here's the fingers crossed. I can tell you this, if they add that and they do a fleet version, I'll be flying one. I'll trade up for that. But until there's a fleet version, yeah, I'll stick with mine. Well, the forums seem to be throwing yet another fit about these changes, accusing Cryptic of, quote-unquote, slapping people in the face. I love that expression. I really do. I love no, that expression. No. When it boils down to it, nobody's ever going to be happy. Tony, you and I talked about this on my way home from class a little bit. People were clamoring that the ship was underpowered, yeah. that it didn't get what it deserved, you know, this was their answer to it. Yes, I agree with you, James. Honestly, I think the answer would have been, okay, a fleet ship is coming along the road instead of adding a carrier. But then again, I don't fly the Armitage, and what I'm flying right now is the Temple Destroyer. What I flew before that was the Chimera. I toyed with the Talshiar Destroyer, and before that was the Fleet Advanced Multivector. So, you know, I'm using ships that are not in the Sea Store. I'm not using Sea Store ships anymore. I don't want them. The last Sea Store ship that got me excited was the Vesta. Yeah, definitely. I have to agree with that. I think it was truly the last one that I was willing to like slap down all the money for by all the different versions and everything. I agree. Oh, no, I take that back. Super Mogai was. Super Mogai was. But on the Fed side, it was Vesta. The last one on the Romulan side was Super Mogai. But yeah, I mean, I think this is a nice ship and all. But again, I don't know. I think it needs to be pretty much the Romulan Armitage. If it's going to be successful, it needs to be the Romulan Armitage, which means they need to have a fleet version, just like the Armitage. Listen, I agree with Sal Ping 88. Blah, blah, blah. Romulan ship sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, don't buy it if you don't like it. Where I'm concerned is, where the heck is my featured episode that they estimated for a September launch? We're almost at the end of September. Not so much as a blog. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm starting to get itchy and antsy uh, about it. Nah. They usually don't, like, you know, warm us up too much before they actually drop one. They usually just pop. There it Pretty is. Pretty much, you know, yeah. They usually don't warm us up. Yeah. By the time this podcast releases, they still got a week. It'll probably be, like, next Friday. Right after we record next week's show, they'll drop it next Friday for the weekend. You know, like they used to release featured episodes Saturday mornings. So let's just take a second, though, because what is unprecedented is that I can't remember the last time they've gone back and added something so significant to a sea store ship. One of the biggest gripes on the forums is that, you know, well, if they're going to do it for this ship, why don't they do it for all the other sea store ships, like the Galaxy, and why can't they touch up everything else? So... Al's already said he's going to. This happened in a week's time. That's true. That was pretty quick work. So, Captains, what other sea store ships would you like to see tuned up? James wants the bridge to the Vesta. Yes. I don't fly sea store ships anymore. I am happy, fine and dandy with what I'm flying right now, which is I'm toying around with the Temporal Destroyer. So, Captains, what other sea store ships would you like to see tuned up? Are the sea store ships even worth tuning up with fleet ships on the scene and temporal lockboxes and uh, low-buy ships? Are people buying them? Are they worth even buying now? You know, is it worth revisiting and perhaps augmenting them in some way, shape, or form? Let us know what you think in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or in the forum post on Star Trek Online for this episode. Speaking about waste of times, that 25% Zen bonus for surveys, oh man. So, for those of you that are aware, there was uh, Perfect World Entertainment, I guess, teams up with Peanut Labs to do surveys. And God, do those surveys suck! Seriously! 
So I wanted to take advantage of the low buy sale, right? And a few episodes ago, we were talking about that. We talked about how the whole economy needs a good hard revamp, et cetera, et cetera. So as I'm scrambling to get keys, I'm like, all right, I'll do these surveys. Elliot talks about these surveys all the time and how he gets zen from these surveys. So I'm going to do one too so I can get keys. And then, oh, good, we can blame Elliot. Yeah, I'm going to blame Elliot on this one. And hopefully get myself a helmsman or earn enough low buy to buy a temporal destroyer, blah, blah, blah. So I figured I'd take advantage of the Peanut Lab survey again this week uh, to earn some zen. But my Kalis, my Kalis, this mechanic is terrible. Let me give you an example. One of the top surveys that gives some of the most zen caught my eye. And it was something about, are you Latino? Please answer this survey. I am, in fact, Latino. So I click on it. First, it asks me some pop-up Facebook prerequisite question, are you Latino? To which I reply, yes, yes, I'm Latino. It opens up a new window, and it starts asking me a series of questions. I'm maybe five, seven minutes in. I've already answered like 20 questions. And then it asks me what nationality I am. So I select Cuban. I hit submit. All of a sudden, this Latino survey says I'm not eligible to continue. (gasps) And that I don't meet the criteria. WTF, man. I'm I'm Cuban, B. Apparently, Cuban doesn't mean Latino. You're right. Apparently, Cuban does not mean Latino. They have a really hard time finding their market. You know, basically, they're, like, trying to be as non-insulting as they can. Basically, they can't say, are you poor? Do you buy junk food? Do you do this? Are you stupid? You know, they can't do that. So they have to basically exclude you by by all these other factors, and it's ridiculous. I get excluded from over half of them. Every time I've tried, I get excluded. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I have a job and I don't buy crap. (laughs) But it's not just that they exclude you, right? Like, just get it out of the way the first question. I don't want to have to answer 30 questions before I'm disqualified. At that point, I'm like, F this. I might try another one just to out of anger, and it happens again, and that's I'm done. I'm done with this. Ranger XML says he started getting harassed by telemarketers oh, when he man. did those, so he's like done, dunsky. Get on the national no call list, my friend. <laughs> I just like how these surveys are like the last refuge of real, like you know, acceptable racism. Are you Latino? Oh, good. Yes, please continue. Okay, let's ask you all these other probing questions now. Are you Cuban, or are you Latino? Yes, I'm Cuban. Right. Oh, no, no. No Cuba for you. Oh, you're not Latino enough. I know. What the? F- no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my God. So, anyway, yes, long story short, I wish that these surveys really wouldn't waste five to ten minutes of my time answering 30 questions before the 31st question is the one that disqualifies me. And it happens like 90% of the time. It drives me insane. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're not their demographic that they're looking for, you know? But you'll get that out of the way in the first few questions. Don't make me answer 30 questions about whether or not I buy Tide or if I buy Charmin. What <laughs> soap I like to scrub my butt with. I mean, don't ask me all these questions. And Hey, speaking of free money and barriers and stuff that made you, like, throw your hands up and quit, we've been talking about the economy and the differences between, like, dilithium and the crystals or whatever they have over Neverwinter. So I decided I get educated I go over there and play some Neverwinter and check that out and see what's all going on. So I went over to Neverwinter or playneverwinter.com, whatever the website is for Cryptic, and then I hit the download, and then I went, oh, because you got to download ARC to download Neverwinter. And I went, eh. 
I don't remember it being mandatory that you had to download Arc. It is now. What about through Steam? Oh, instead of downloading Perfect Worlds client that I have to download, I can go download Valve's. Oh, okay. Okay, sure. <laughs> so in order to get the game that I want to play, I got to download somebody else's thing. Okay, cool. All right, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, okay, good. I see your frustration there, but personally, I like Steam because I can kind of keep all my games in one location, but you can download it through Steam, and Steam is, I think, a better app than Arc because Arc is just limited to Perfect World games, whereas Steam, you have a very large library. Steam's good, but my point is that I already have some other publishers' amalgamation application running on my machine, you know, sniffing through all my cookies and data packets and whatnot. I mean, I've already got that from some other publisher who has made that their core business. I don't want to download another one from another publisher to snoop around all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, Perfect World wants to be like Steam. I get that. That's great. But it's a barrier to me playing Neverwinter. All right, Captains. Well, that wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Let's head on over to our Community Spotlight segment with Justin, Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, and his latest Foundry review. Chivalry being here with another Foundry Officer Report. This time, I headed over to Kronos in the first city to play Rogue Enterprise's Klingon mission Hero of the Empire. Hero of the Empire is one of the most fun missions I've played. The plot allows for player choice, and there's great use of Foundry tech, and it has a metric ton of glorious action and honorable lore singing. One of Jimpok's aides gives you orders to escort a transport back to the Klingon homeworld. There are dialogue choices here, as well as later in the mission, that allow you to choose how your captain reacts to the situations. Once you arrive at the freighter, you engage in battle. Enemies vanquished, you travel on, following the freighter on its clandestine mission. Along the way home, you uncover plots and engage in honorable combat against honorless enemies. Things get more interesting when you arrive back at Kronos. I'm not going to spoil the fun, but the rest of the tale allows you to be an active participant in the story and choose how the story proceeds and what happens. This even allows for replayability to take different paths. Good map design allows for fewer map transitions and therefore shorter load times. There were, however, a few glitches in the mission. They spoiled one surprise, but it didn't ruin the mission. Essentially, a few things were visible when they shouldn't be. Perhaps this can be fixed, or perhaps I got a bad copy of the mission, as sometimes happens. But in no way does it make it incompletable, and it isn't a reason not to play the mission. Hero of the Empire is a blast to play. It uses Foundry tech exceedingly well, and will give you a chance to tell glorious tales of your exploits against your enemies, and gain honor in the eyes of the Klingon people. It's worth making a Klingon character just to play this mission. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, we had lots of good feedback from the show notes on episode 141 over on PriorityOnePodcast.com, and the STO forums this week were also hopping, so we kind of mixed them around together and grouped like topics with like. I know, it's incredible. We got a lot of feedback. Like, people actually give a crap about what we said. <laughs> so touching. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> 
For instance, Tawani writes, Dragon Con may be a great idea. My wife and I would probably love it, and it's only about six or seven hours from where we live. We would never be able to do Las Vegas. So here's to hoping for Dragon Con. And let's see, Chaplin says, Dragon Con over a Star Trek convention? Maybe as a personal preference, but as a Star Trek online podcaster's question? Hmm. Mm. Agreed, but they do have a Star Trek row, and we could totally make our presence there. And we got to try something new. We can't do the same thing every time. We got to get around, you know? We got to spread the word. We could send somebody to Las Vegas, but maybe just not have a huge table and stuff like that. So it's not like we would abandon Vegas, but. You know, Dragon Con might be a great change of pace. Yeah, and it gives us a chance to get around, and people who can't make Vegas get a chance to then come meet us and see us live and stuff like that, too. Plus, we get to meet a whole new demographic of people out in different areas and maybe introduce them to the show that may not even know we exist. So, it'll be fun. Ranger XML writes, Weak Mortal Kombat players, hold down and block! Impressive. Get over here! <laughs> At Sherman, P. Sutherland, and Bry Guy write that they want a ground version of the no-win scenario. Lurie says, how about tagging more wildlife on New Romulus for combat pets? Maybe the dog thing with the spikes on its body. See, all these free ideas, Cryptic. Listen, listen, listen. I really like the no-win ground scenario. And Sunseal writes in, I try all the time to grab a galore. Getting stuck with these unending and near-worthless doff packs upsets me when I could be getting dilly packs from the newer boxes instead. And then he gets a reply from Eli Jamare. God, this guy's a worse forum troll than Fang Taco Boy Tumor is. The problem I found in my lockbox frenzy these last few weeks was that I was getting a lot of the same items over and over again. Duff packs, nanite weapons. These items don't sell for very much on the exchange. God, that guy's such a troll. Listen, I'm a man <laughs> after my own heart. He voiced his opinion... <laughs> articulately, eloquently. Uh, he gave constructive feedback. I applaud Eli Jamri, the new forum troll. Trekker Chick checks in and she says, my opinion still stands despite the continued rally for more endgame content, even more powers, even more DOFs messing around with even more powers, and even more gear that's unneeded and will be dumped on my boffs within a month. Please, more bug fixes, less fixed boxes. There's a theory. STOFSK says what I'd like to see insofar as endgame content goes a return to the old style STFs. I'm not saying get rid of the newer STF. Keep them and the PVEQ. I just love to do an old epic long style mission with teams. More power to you dude but I can down those old ones, man, because they just took too long, and the problem is the average player can't sit in a game for three hours at a time. I mean, at least not in my life. My life's way too busy. I hated the old ones because I, I could never stay on long enough. Like, if the team really sucked, you know what I mean? Like, I could never hang with a full space, then ground, then all the way through. It would just take too long, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, he's saying keep the new ones, too, but also have an option. To, to run them, yeah, congruently, and, and I get that, but boy, that was painful days. I remember that. I was happy camper when they broke those up, man. Whew. Our next one comes from Arcade Master. What I'm hoping for for Season 8 is an endgame content that isn't just hop in a queue, pew pew, for 10 minutes, get the loot, hop out. The Secret World, for example only has a single raid with a three-day cooldown. The five-minute format events makes things too interchangeable. I catch myself too often telling my buddies, yeah, cue us for whatever. 
That works for a lot of people. It does. It works for me. Like I said, my average stint on Stow is like 30 minutes to doff, period, and then I get off and run to work. Or I catch it on my lunch break, in which case I spend about 10 minutes eating and then maybe 40 minutes playing. Or if I'm off and it happens to be a weekend and it's actually not a house chore or a broken sprinkler or a motorcycle ride planned or kayaking or something or something or something that there always is, then I might actually sit down and play for two hours. And I'm envious of the guys that have three hours to slam down. I am. I'm not even going to lie. I'm jealous of the guys that have that much time to game. But it just doesn't work for me. And guys like me need those quick hop-ins, hop-out, get the loot stuff. Otherwise, we're never going to have the time to get the loot. Yeah, but you can you can appreciate the people that want to do it. So if there was side-by-side, side, it would be okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, I can appreciate it. I can appreciate it, and like I said, I'm even slightly jealous that they have that kind of time just for gaming. But There should be a mission like that. There should be one mission like that where it's the thing. You know, Maybe No Win is that version. Yeah, and I like what he said about keeping both. I'd be fine with that. If they want to run the broken STFs like they have now and then have an option to run congruently, that's cool. Good for them. Then everybody's happy. There's something for everyone. I'm down for that. I just don't want to see them please one group at the expense of the other. If they can offer both groups something, then that's awesome. I just don't want to see them please one group at the expense of the other. If they can offer both groups something, then that's awesome. But I don't want to see one group get pandered to and, and the other group get ignored. Either way, even if that's my group being pandered to, I don't want to see it either way. I don't want to see them get snuffed either. I want it to be as balanced for everyone as it can. Sean Newboy writes, they need a way to convert fleet marks into dilithium for endgame. And we hear from Chivalry Bean, for me, earning a ship via energy credits in-game is a goal and fun. Because one of my mottos is, if you call it grinding, you're doing it wrong. Play for fun, earn what you want in ways that are fun, be it pew-pew, doffs, or buying low and selling high on the exchange. Well said, Chivalry Bean, well said. Yeah, and if you have good exchange mechanisms for all the different kinds of currencies, you can do that. If you play a mission that earns dilithium, but you don't need dilithium, you can go exchange it for something else. That's where there's a lot of barriers that I see right now that are kind of impeding that kind of free-for-all gameplay where I can do what I want and play what I want and still earn all the rewards that I want to get. But yeah, Chivalry Bean. We hear from Jet WTF. I really enjoyed that Foundry assignment as well as the current Spotlight Barclay adventure One Too Many. Anyway, that author needs to be hired by Cryptic as a mission designer. Well, maybe he can do the same sort of thing that the uh, Foundry feature episode series guys are doing. Maybe there's a new method or a new mechanic coming where you can work on commission, kind of, for Cryptic. Maybe this is what this is leading to. I don't know. Rob Ray 71 a.k.a. Gatoros, writes, Another great podcast, gentlemen. First things first, to Tony. Sorry about the one-star rating on your Foundry mission. The story arc in Overture was extremely appealing, but I felt as if the humor kept pulling my attention away from this great story. One thing I'd really like to see... Danger Zones! As it is today, I can fly my ship anywhere in the galaxy without ever once having a chance encounter with some kind of antagonistic vessel. Well said, sir. I think that one of the goals for the Dyson Sphere Zone is going to be a big spot where you run into trouble, just kind of randomly. So I think that's one of the things you're going to see coming from the team in the next season. But I want to go back to his feedback of my feedback of his feedback on my Overture episodes. Gatoros, I went back and I took your feedback to heart and I've added in a button where you can skip two-thirds of the war room scene. So I have taken your feedback to heart, sir. And I've gone and I've republished it with this change for you, Gatoros, because of the wonderful discussion we've been having so go to it sir 
go finish that series and enjoy it with my compliments. Fantastic. Well, thanks to all of our new followers out there on Twitter, by the way. It's great to see our community growing. And thanks to everybody over on Facebook who has friended us and liked us over there. Thanks especially to those contributing to the JJ Video Game and NSA Bridge Conversations. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. All right, Captains, we love hearing from you. So keep those comments coming. You can reach us on PriorityOnePodcast.com in the comment section below this episode or on the Star Trek Online Forum post for this episode. Well, that wraps up episode 142, recorded live on TrekRadio.net. Remember, we moved our Thursday night live recordings on Trek Radio to 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Captains, we're looking for new writers and bloggers. Join our team as a guest blogger on PriorityOnePodcast.com. If you have other skills that you believe could enhance the content of the site, then reach out to us via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. As you know, we love hearing from you, our loyal listeners. If you have a suggestion, an idea, or a topic for any of our segments, or if you have general feedback about this episode or any topic, our email address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you, so please send in your feedback. We want it. You can send it in on iTunes as well. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong. Having to do with anything about this podcast, please. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like or check us out on Twitter via at Stowe Priority One. Captains Priority One is brought to us by the generous donations of listeners like you. Thank you to those who have already donated and contributed to this month's goals. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can help support the show. A very special thanks to Shippery Bean for another excellent Foundry review. Thanks to the entire team behind PriorityOnePodcast.com. Additionally, audio editing and engineering for this episode in Priority One Podcast was brought to you by Nighthammer Sound Productions. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Mr. Chris Watts. A special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Stowe community and our listeners. Without you guys, we'd have nothing to do on our Thursday nights. So, thanks. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. Dates to the game. This is, uh, there weren't any. Let me record that last part. <laughs> there weren't any important <laughs> things other than what we've already covered. Help us. Help you. Do it, Jerry help Maguire. Come on. You. Help me to help you. Help me yeah, to exactly. help you. Exactly. There you go. Do it, Jerry Maguire. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be. I don't want to talk about this more than I have to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving along. UGC have come together to create uh, the, or a repeat of the sentence I just read.
okay, if I can't interest you in Steam or Arc, can I interest you in this other crap? <laughs> <laughs> Why? We're going to go through no, this. No. Just not. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, every, every question at the end of it, do I get a lollipop it, or something? Wait a minute. Oh, I, I screwed it up. Dang it. Oh, Elijah Mir? I screwed, you screwed it up. You screwed it up. Yeah. Because it's Elijah Amari. I was trying yeah. to quote Elijah. I copied the wrong thing twice. Dang it. Oh. Oh. Yes. Did you did yes. you sabotage that, Elijah? Or did I just screw it up? Uh, <laughs> Eli Jamari. <laughs> Eli Jamari. Not for Tofu says. Not for Tofu says this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. So, uh. I'll I'll start from the top so that uh, so that uh, Jay doesn't kill us. All right, 